What's up? This is Mike Fenoya from Amigos, and Amigos Podcast is in the loop, the legion of Osiris Podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with podcasts and live experiences about artists and topics you love. Check out OsirisPod.com and stay in the loop. Sign up for the newsletter to learn about the newest podcasts and events. Relics Magazine is a media partner of Osiris. For music news, go to Relics.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Amigos. It's your host, Mike Fenoya. I hope you're doing well. Uh, back in New York City uh, after a long trip to Vegas and uh, excited to bring you another great episode. Everyone, thank you so much for all the love on the web. Uh, if you guys are having a good time listening to the pod, head over to iTunes, subscribe, give us a five-star rating, uh, write a review, tell everybody why they should be listening to Amigos and all the great uh, podcasts on the Osiris Network. We've got a ton of great stuff here for you, and it's all for you. So uh, thank you guys for sharing the love, and we will be sharing it right back. Uh, I'm on the road uh, quite a bit coming up this fall. Uh, I've got a bunch of shows. I'm going to be at the Punchline in San Francisco the week after Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm going to be headlining the Wednesday night, and I'll be there Thursday, Friday, Saturday with Big J Okerson. So head over to MikeFenoya.com for tickets or Punchline Sam Fran. And also on New Year's Eve, 28th, 29th, 30th, 31st, I will be at Vermont Comedy Club in Burlington, Vermont. So head to VTComedy.com uh, to pick up some tickets. So... Um, guys, I'm stoked. I got a new pal, a, a new amigo uh, in the room with me. Um, he is the author of 100 Things Fish Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die and The Last American Gypsy. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Andy P. Smith. Andy. <laughs> Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you, man. Good to see you. Thank you so much for coming. And you Thank brought you. me a couple of hard copies. Yeah, of course. Um, beautiful books. They, they really are. Uh, I, I read you sent me. We got in touch on uh, the in the Addicted to Fish uh, Facebook indeed uh, in group there because I I I I was at the cellar the comedy cellar here in in the West Village and uh, this kid goes hey amigo and I'm like what's up you know kind of how who are you <laughs> and he's <laughs> like I'm a huge fan of the podcast I'm really you know loving it this and that he goes um, I have to tell you I did the homework episode now. My buddy Sean and I, who um, we give each other homework, musical homework. So if he's got an album that uh, he thinks I should listen to, you know, I give it a I give it a listen. If I have something that I think he'd be interested in, you know, vice versa. And then we spend an episode talking about it. And I've gotten some good feedback on on those episodes because people are like, "Dude, I do that with my friends," and blah blah blah. Yeah. yeah. So this dude, Adam. I believe. Uh, shout out to Adam. He goes, uh, I, I listened to Rift. That was the album that I gave my buddy Sean to listen to. Okay. And uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on, you know, we'll, we'll talk about getting someone <laughs> into, into Fish, but uh, Adam said, you know, I listened to Rift, and I now you, you mentioned Fish in the episodes. You talk about the shows. You make these references. He goes, and I'm kind of lost. He goes, so maybe you can do like a fish 101, like a freshman lecture 
intro to fish <laughs> sure uh episode <laughs> and i was like you know what man that's that's really a good idea and i kind of almost was like apologetic because we do kind of i've made this analogy a couple times where it's like bringing someone to a fish show or getting trying to get someone into it is like for us having someone sit down and watch episode seven of season eight of your favorite show <laughs> right and you kind of almost have to like pause it every two seconds to be like all right well, let me explain who this character is yeah and let me explain why it's important that this guy came back right and let me explain you know so i i, I kind of thought like maybe and i didn't want to be one of these people that's like well let me tell you about fish sure i'd much rather have a conversation with someone who same exa- yeah. you know what i mean absolutely so uh I put up that post and I said, "Hey, you know what? Like, maybe let's let's see what some people are interested in learning. You know, when you first got into it, what would you like to have known?" And you said, "Hey, not sure if you're interested, but I wrote a book." (laughs) And I'm like, "Who better?" And uh, and we worked it out, and you're here. Yeah. So uh, indeed. um, Let's start from the beginning. Okay. Um, Um, Where? When did you? When did you get on the bus? When was your? uh... Um, you know, uh, a bit a bit later, I think, than than most our age i suppose my first show was 98 okay and um god bless my mother for bringing me and three friends um we drove from seattle to the gorge three hours whoa caught the show and i was immediately hooked yeah um you know the the whole environment of the gorge on top of you know the scene if you will of course and and then the music and the performance was just insane. I mean, like the clapping during Stash, and which um, we will get into. They did a drum roll for the sunset. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it was just all of this sort of these different layers and layers and layers. And and I think that's one of the greatest things about Fish is you know for somebody who's maybe just getting turned on to the band is that it will continue to reward you the more you invest in it. Right. That's a very good point. You can kind of stay on a surface level and enjoy the show and enjoy the party. But the more that you, the deeper you go, the the more that you'll be rewarded, which I think is unique. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, was this your first time ever at Gorge? Yes, also. Okay, which also. is, a, that's a, you know, Indeed. it's a mind blower. My first show was 95 New Haven, Connecticut. Okay. And it was a venue, it, it was sweet in a different way where I was so familiar with the venue. Mm. Um, I saw my first concert there, Bon Jovi in 86 or 7 awesome. with my uncle. And uh, the New Haven Nighthawks was this like AHL hockey team. It was almost you ever see the movie Slapshot? Yeah, it's, it was pretty much that, like us versus the Hershey Bears and like the <laughs> Binghamton, you know, Jets or whatever the hell. They I were. went to a lot of Tacoma Rockets games. Yeah, those are time. so fun, yeah, dude. Great. Like where it's almost like there's a fight before the first faceoff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Most games, it's kick ass. <laughs> and to see this band that was kind of like this majestic sort of like, you know, they're just. Now that we get to know, we'll get a little older and more mature. Just four dudes goofing off, but they're yeah. super talented. <laughs> but when they roll into town and they come to your, like that coveted little spot, yeah, that you've had so many fun experiences at, you're like, holy shit! Like this place can be turned into a spaceship if the right, you know, Absolutely. things hit it. Yeah, but yeah. Unreal for your first show to be at. I mean, probably one of the most beautiful places. No, I think it's it's by far my favorite venue in the country. Um, and, you know, people will often compare it to Red Rocks, but yeah. I really think that it's an, a caliber and a league all in of its own. Yeah. It's, and it's one of the chapters in the book is Sea Fish at the Gorge. <laughs> um, <laughs> I noticed. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, I, you can't see fish at a, 
at Red Rocks. New Haven Coliseum well, anymore yeah. because it's not now it's a parking lot. Oh, it's gone. Unfortunately, oh. yeah. Whoa. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Yeah. Bummer. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. We needed more parking, I guess, near Yale University. So, um, ninety-eight. Your mom drives you. How old are you? I was fifteen or sixteen. Sixteen, I think. Just turned sixteen. Um, and uh, we had just moved to Seattle from Fayetteville, North Carolina. Oh wow! Which for for those of you um, looking to uh, have a nice vacation, do not go to Fayetteville, North <laughs> Carolina. Um, what a glowing recommendation! Yeah, it's a it's pretty much an army based town. They call it Vietnam. And uh, oh shit, really? Vietnam, yeah, Vietnam. Wow. Um, and I had kind of been dropped in there for a few years in middle school and was always very much like the sort of outsider doing my own thing. And um, then another outsider got dropped into the school, the middle school, and she had been doing her own thing like as a hippie and to turn me on to fish with some cassette tapes. Um, I think hoist had just come out. Okay. And, I was like, I'd never heard anything like that before. Yeah. Um, I had gotten the, you know, the dark side uh, tape from when they covered dark side, like in uh, Utah after. 98 Halloween. Yeah. It was after Halloween. Right. It was, they did November, loaded. Right. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. No, no. You're, yeah. There's the next night. Right. Um, so you had already seen them. No. No. This is when I was in North Carolina. And then that summer I moved to Seattle and Fish was playing the Gorge and I- Oh, begged and pleaded to go. Gotcha. So I had been, you know, sort of worshiping these tapes and and these albums, um, and then God bless my mom for God bless your mom taking me to the show. Um, I was in Italian class, Miss Di Gennaro, at North Haven High School, my sophomore year, and uh, I had a friend that was a couple years older than me that was in my class, Dave, and he. Uh, I feel like everybody gets turned on to fish by a dude named Dave. It just seems like that's like kind of a prerequisite. Yeah, your brother's cousin's cousin's yeah, brother. It's fucking yeah. Dave. It's just such like a Dave's not home, man. Dave. Dave. Um he goes we're we're trading dead tapes back and forth and uh he goes, "Have you ever heard fish?" And I'm like, "No." And I wanted to be like, "Yeah," cuz Dave was older and cooler. And uh I want to be like, "Yeah, of course I've heard, you know." But I'm like, "No, nah, I never heard of him." And he goes, check this tape out. And he gave me New Year's 93. And I brought it home. And uh, I was a sophomore in high school. And I was kind of like uh, trying to figure out like what my thing was. You know yeah. what I mean? I worshipped the Grateful Dead. Absolutely worshipped the Grateful Dead. And uh, he gives me this tape. And I put it in. And the first thing I heard was Reba from like a 93 Reba and it's got that energy of like and the tape was so crisp and so clean nice. and I, I really think that that like and I think this is what makes me paranoid about turning people on is that like I my first listen it was such a trebly kind of like like bright sounding tape that I felt like I was at the show yeah one of those great audience tapes where you can hear people talking in your left ear and you can hear like someone yelling like we're almost out of tape and like yeah. <laughs> you know like you could hear the taper section kind of and it was like whoa people are like really excited to be at this thing yeah and it was almost kind of like a like a you know an audio and like an audio documentary in a way you know of whatever. Sure. and they did like a million peaches teases and the down with disease jam and all that and 
I was jumping up and down on my bed listening to, you know, Reba, Susie Greenberg, like, stole my heart the minute I heard it. It's still to this day my favorite song, yeah. in, like a nostalgic kind of way. Totally. Um, and I was like, holy shit, this is unreal. Uh, and then I was like, please, can I have more? More fish, please. More fish, please. You yeah. know? And uh, Jerry Garcia died that summer. Yeah. And I, or, and I didn't have a chance to see them. I had tickets, but I never got a chance to go. And my God bless my mother. Um, I, my, my, my room was like wall to wall, floor to ceiling, Jerry Garcia, everything. Oh, wow. So I was really sad when he died, of course. And then yeah. Fish was coming to town, and I was like, can I go see this band Fish? And I had just got caught drinking, mm. and I was grounded. And she was like... You can go, but don't you dare, like, if you come home smelling like booze and, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're in a lot of trouble. So I didn't drink. but <laughs> So I just went smoked cigars in the parking lot with my buddies. and uh, <laughs> But anyway, it was, yeah, instant, like, like you had said, like, I worshipped and studied these tapes and then went to the show and it was, like, right after Billy Breathes came out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was just Prince Caspian opened the show and there was like a real big free that was nice. like, you know, one of those nice old kind of, you know, and it was just a beautiful experience. Yeah. And uh, yeah, hooked, hooked the minute that and stand up comedy are like the two things that like and sex are like, you know, right. The minute I did the first time, I'm like, <laughs> I like this. I want as much of this yeah. <laughs> as I possibly. Yeah. Can. I mean, I think that's I think that that's like probably like a common theme among fish fans right it's, yeah it's it's not something that you're like oh that was okay i'll try it again you're it, it's pretty people are pretty decisive i yeah. imagine yeah e- either either they're into it and they're into it at varying levels but mostly they're into it yeah or or no not so much um yeah garcia once said we're we're like lick our fans are like people who like licorice you either love yeah. licorice or you hate Right. And it's very true, yeah. you know. Like I've brought people to like some fish stuff, and they're just like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go get wasted in the hallway." And it's like, <laughs> "Go for it, yeah, good, more more room for us." Sure, you know? exactly. So '98, you get on the bus. Um, you saw them at a venue where you know everybody's so jazzed to play Gorge. Yeah, you know, performer wise. Yeah. So no one's going in there and kind of like, nah, we're in, we're in at the Gorge. Like I guess we'll muscle through." Yeah. So you saw a blissful, beautiful show Incredible. in probably one of the most gorgeous parts of the planet. Sure, yeah. Um, you leave, you go home. Uh, are these pals of yours that you met in Washington? Um, did Fish help you make friends when you went to like this new town? Did no. you seek out people? Or you know, yeah. I've I I feel like I've constantly sought out like Fish fans. I had a nice crew in college. Um, you Where'd know, you go? I uh, went to Pratt Institute here in Brooklyn. Oh, cool! Um, and uh, skipped a lot of classes for fish shows, <laughs> and um, you know, um, pretty much did every show of the 2.0 era. Um, but then, as you know, uh, the band broke up. Yeah. So let's explain because this is Fish 101. Oh, for sure. <laughs> let's talk about what 1.0 and 2.0 and all that means. So in the band's career um you know now 30 something years 35 years uh they once took a hiatus uh from performing and recording um and then came back from this break 
which was about a year. I think it was like 14 months yep. um, in uh, uh, 2002. And then definitively broke up in 2004 for what was to be forever. Yep. Um, but ended up getting back together in 2009 after about five years of being broken up. And those breaks is what define these different eras. So era 1.0 is up until hiatus. 2.0 is post hiatus to break up. Break up. And then now we're in 3.0, which is everything after the reunite. Right. Yeah. And after uh, this Halloween, it's 4.0. <laughs> you know, there, yeah, you could you could talk a lot about that on Addicted to Fish. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy, dude. That's yeah. I love it, but man, it's just every show's the best show to someone, exactly. which I love. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. So I caught a lot of uh, my, you know, I did a whole bunch of uh, the 2.0 as well. Yeah, um, quite a bit, and I thought that was a fun era. Yeah, um, I. I I'm a bit of a nostalgic person, and I think that that's something I'm trying to work on as a person. Okay. Um, I always have this kind of like bar set. Like my second show ever was Clifford Ball. Okay. So it was kind of like this. Like yeah, I mean, like I saw them once. I'm like I'm in. Uh, Again, I have to. I'm I'm, I'm making a concerted effort to remember we're doing an intro to fish. (laughs) Clifford Ball (laughs) is the first of many festivals that the band put on. Uh, I recommend this listen. Uh, the band put on, you know, a lot of people who, you know, if, if these are people who aren't into fish or don't understand fish, um, think of Bonnaroo, but with one band. And uh, they build a city for us, and we drive up to an abandoned Air Force base and uh, hang out with like minded people and kind of, you know, escape reality for three days with like 50,000 with like 50, 60,000 people. Um, and there was, what has there been? Thir- thir- tw- uh, 13, no 12. Tw- well, curveball would have been 12, 11, 11. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, uh, the only one I didn't go to was, uh, Indio, the uh-huh. Halloween, mm-hmm. uh, eight. Yeah. Festival eight. And yeah. went, I skipped went, mm-hmm. which was pretty rainy. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so, yeah, they have a whole big, you know, uh, history of of festivals, and that was my second concert. My my second Fish concert was, to this day, what I still think is probably one of the most life-changing experiences, you know, just, like, being able to go as a kid and... Mm -hmm. And that's what I think, too, as far as, like, you know, getting somebody into Fish or introducing somebody to Fish. I think that there's something really special about getting turned on to a band like this in your in your formative years as a high school student or as a college student um as somebody who maybe uh was really into the dead but maybe the timing wasn't right right you know yeah um and i think that that that's something that is hard to sort of replicate now like if somebody puts on you know gets the album fuego and puts it on like I'm not sure that you know as a 35 45 year old dude that that's going to really impact them in a way that like me getting hoist right as a yep. 15 year old did. Yep, absolutely. You know? No, that's a very good point. And I think of it a lot in like the sense of hip hop too when we were growing up yep. that like there was a lot of like 
you know, uh, Tribe Called Quest and and a lot of like early hip hop that like grabbed me very early on. And I was like, this is something I want to know everything about. Mm -hmm. And it was just some that that certain like New York kind of intelligent hip hop. Yeah. Really grabbed me fast. And and that was something similar to Fish that I think I kind of like invested as much time and effort as possible. Whereas... I, look, I loved Nirvana and I loved, you know, a lot of other music sure. that came through, yeah. but I was just like, I liked it for face value and I didn't really care as much. Yeah. With Fish, it was kind of like, I need to know everything now. And I think, you know, sort of like what we were saying earlier, that uh, in regards to return on investment, I think the Fish universe uh, appeals to people like you and I who are maybe a little bit obsessive or completist who, you know, have a curiosity that we need to really dive in and understand certain things. Right. Um, uh, I, I often compare like fish stats to baseball stats. Yep. And, you know, uh, there aren't any real like musical similarities, I think, where you know beyond the dead i suppose or maybe some other jam bands but um the idea that like hardcore fish fans can speak to a specific song in a specific performance from 20 years ago i know and we were both like oh yeah i know exactly what you're talking about yeah totally (laughs) i I know isn't it amazing when you can like really (sighs) so that's the kind of thing where it's like i feel like okay fish 101 you know what i mean like that's the kind of stuff that is often maybe misunderstood or not understood at all where like wow how could you even for example my wife she's not precisely a fish fan and her definition of fish fandom being a fish fan for her is listening to the band outside of a show she's gone to many shows with me okay and gone to shows on her own okay has a great time she's really into the dead less so fish but she likes to party yep um but she'll never put fish on at the house. Okay. And so by her standard, that means she's not a fish fan, right? Okay. Yeah, by her standard. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so she does not identify as a fish fan because she doesn't listen to the band outside of the shows. Interesting. Um, and so, and you know, I have a lot of other friends who are similar, who enjoy going to the shows, enjoy music in general, live performance in general, um, and have a good time. But it's, you know... It's another band. Yeah. And then there's the rest of us. Right. Yes. And then there is the rest of us. And you know, it's kind of funny. I know a bunch of, a very good friend of mine who, uh, I mean, he goes to, he's been to many, many, wait, more than me. And he doesn't listen to them outside of going to shows. Yeah. And he's like, that just keeps it fresh for me. And yeah. Which, whatever. I'm not really sure what he listens to. Uh huh. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, right. uh, otherwise. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I guess it's kind of like whatever floats your boat kind of thing. I mean, I, I, it's, it's interesting. Like I almost kind of have like a subcategory of fish that is, you know, I have to keep what an interesting, like kind of a example of what I'm trying to say is like, you know, you have limited space on your phone. Yeah. My phone is always capped out because of all the music I have on my phone, you know, like the new, the new Grateful Dead Pacific Northwest box oh, thing yeah. is like takes up almost like the whole the whole fucking thing. so i'm going through and i'm like what do i delete you know uh-huh. like do yeah. i delete uh some bob marley do i delete some beasties do i delete you know and and when i'm going through and i'm looking and it's like all right so i have the baker's dozen here maybe i can delete a couple of those shows i cannot 
go without. Like, I always have to have the Island Tour. Yeah. All four shows. Awesome. Clifford Ball, I have to have on yeah. there. New Year's 93. Uh, 4494 Flynn Theater, Burlington with the Giant Country Horns, oh, which yeah. was the first show after New Year's 93. And the, it's a big, it's a fun Susie with the Horns. And, uh, <laughs> I have a Santa Barbara 92. That I need in there, it, uh, th- and then you know from this era, I've got a couple. I've got a couple of the Baker's dozens that I need. Uh, an MSG show from the last New Year's run, but there's like a. a it's almost kind of like yeah, there's fish, mm-hmm. and then there's like my stash. Like I need totally. these, and yeah. it's almost kind of that to me is like I equate to, you know, like a uh, a comic book geek where basically it's like yeah these episodes like these these uh you know issues are great but i go back to these and read these and right. find something new in the illustration or new in the words totally. those two those i feel like we all kind of have those like this is my pocket a perfect fish you know and it's hard because i don't want to like try to turn someone on to i don't force anyone into anything totally and if someone's interested yeah i tend to like start with rift as a listen to this mm-hmm. it's kind of like a concept start to finish yeah you know it's a night's sleep right and i think that rift and maze and wedge and some of these tunes on that album from that era totally fast enough my friend my friend really like kind of capture their songwriting at this kind of like you know they still had that new young Mm-hmm. Vibrance, yeah, but they were. It wasn't their first or second album, and and it was you know as a concept album for the band. It has it very much has you know a, a beginning, a middle, and an end, right? And I think that that in and of itself can be more accessible uh, for any non-fish fans who are thinking, oh my gosh, where do I start? Yeah, um, you know, starting with some of those classic studio albums, uh, you know, Rift, I think is an exceptional album uh each album has its own chapter in the book and when writing them uh i think you'll agree i don't often listen to fish studio albums um yeah you know i've i have my go-to 10 shows from the last 30 years uh i'm constantly listening to the recent shows or re-listening to certain aspects of recent shows and so when writing the book uh my co-author jason and i we're sort of tasked with this album of this this task of revisiting the studio albums and listening to them front to back and and writing about them for the book yeah. and and really I mean they're they're exceptional they, they really are they really are the songs and the 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 sort of spectrum of the music that they put into something like like hoist um like lawn boy um yeah. you know it's really, if you were to just sort of try to categorize that, now it's easy to say, oh, Fish is a jam band. Because what, they improvise when they perform? Okay, sure. Right. But any one of those albums takes from so many different musical genres um, that, like, I, you know, if you were running, like, a like a Tower Records, right? Like, Fish would have its own section. Yep. You know? I mean, because it's rock, it's prog, it's jazz, it's fusion, it's bluegrass. bluegrass. Yeah. yeah. It's it's barbershop quartet. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah. it's all of these different elements. I think that that's what 
I always was most fascinated and most like what kept bringing me back to fish when I first kind of discovered it was that here's four middle-aged white dudes who can literally play anything and often do. And, you know, um, I think you'll agree with me that a great place for maybe somebody who's curious about the band uh, would be uh, the podcast Analyze Fish. Mm-hmm. Um, or Amigos. Or Amigos, but first Amigos, <laughs> then Analyze Fish. But, um, you what know, the hell are you doing, man? I gotta, gotta, gotta shout them out. I gotta shout it out. I'm only kidding. Um, Go check it out. But, uh, you know, I think that Harris Whittles said it well um, when he spoke about, like, kind of why fish? Why, is, why are you obsessed with fish? Why is this, there's fanaticism around this band? And, you know, he pointed to the moment at a live show when the lights go out before the band begins to play. Yep. Because there's this moment there, this electricity, this excitement among the fans and among the band because they can walk out on that stage and literally play anything. Yeah. Any song. A cover, an original, uh, anything. A barbershop quartet, like we mentioned, they can just do anything and often do. Like a Baker's Dozen, for example. Yeah. and there really isn't another band like that. Um, that was the first thing that caught me was I remember standing there and, you know, the, the lights are kind of like this, you know, pre-show dim but not off. Mm-hmm. And everybody's, you know, talking to their buddies and, you know, who's standing, who's sitting, who's drinking a beer, who's like kind of stretching or whatever. And then those it, it's almost kind of like something in us knows the millisecond before the lights go down that they're going to go down. Hmm. It's this kind of like, you know, something leaps forward and you can hear all these different pockets of conversations come to like a halt and everyone just collectively like, yeah, here we go. Yeah. I want the show. And everybody <laughs> just gets excited and you get the goosebumps and staring at the stage, waiting for them to come out. And you're right. Like the minute it's like this, nothing else feels like this. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, you go see other concerts and, and, I think as fish fans, if we go see another band, even outside of our, you know, scene or whatever, mm-hmm. I don't care who it is. Mm-hmm. You go see fucking House of Pain, you're gonna like I wonder what they're gonna open with. Like right. we kind of bring this totally. like, you know, real kinda, you know, I'm here, bring me a show. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like let's we kind of this. expect we we've kind of become this sort of like, you know, I mean, almost we expect to a, a lot from performers. To a fault. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I mean like very much to I, a fault. I, you know, I enjoy a lot of different music and I go to a lot of different shows and I'm really into the band LCD Sound System. Yep. They've performed long residencies at Brooklyn Steel, 10 nights or two weeks or whatever it might be. And I've gone to a few of those. Um, but almost without fail, it's the same set. They very rarely, you know, to use our parlance, jam out on right. a song. And I'm leaving the shows like... Feeling a little disappointed. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Which is is a shitty feeling, you know, to, to go to a band that you love and to 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 have higher expectations for one reason or another. Yeah. Um, you know, and and it's changed a lot of my experience with going to other shows. Yeah, and other bands. Um, you know what I've thought about a lot, and uh, for again, one hundred and one. This is like I guess we're gonna do little beats. You know, of here's, you know, <laughs> this is like if you were reading this podcast, this would be like a little footnote. Um, fish shows, for those of you who don't know, they go on uh, 
every show normally says 7.30 start time. They go on about 8.17, right? You yeah. know, something around yeah. there. And they uh, they do one set, which is normally, what, 70 minutes, a little over an little hour. A little over an hour, yeah. Uh, 75 to like 80, 90 minutes sometimes if we're lucky. They take about a half hour to 35-minute break. And then they come out and they do a second set, which... Uh, is completely different in style and completely different in, uh, you know, sometimes almost formatless. Um, and then they come out and do an encore, and the show normally ends around eleven thirty ish. If it's a you know your normal city you know arena you know thing, and yep. not a special night, right. you know, like Vegas ended late and sure. you know, festivals go till whenever. Um, do you talk about the difference in sets? Within the books at one verse set two or uh, a little bit. What we talk about is um, the different types of jams. Let's get into type it. Type one versus type two. Yeah, <laughs> let's get nerdy. And I think that you know that in a lot of ways is is it speaks to the first and second set. Right? Yeah. So um, you know, for for Fish One Hundred One, um, the <laughs> band will traditionally perform any number of songs. Uh, some of which they will take on a little bit of a improv piece yep. and jam jam on uh, a few for a few minutes, ten minutes, twenty minutes, yep. um, and those extended improvised jams have come to be labeled as type one jams and type two jams. Right. Um, type one jams. Uh, often follow the traditional melody and chords of the song that they're jamming on. Mm -hmm. Um, What I like to say is that if you can still recognize the song in the jam, then it's probably a type one jam. Right. Type two jams uh, go completely off book. Yep. Um, They they can go anywhere um, and often completely abandon the format, tone, melody of the song that they're jamming on. And as as fish fans, I'd say as most fish fans, often that's what we're looking for. Yeah, is this sort of exploratory, uh, free form jam where the you know at its best these four musicians come together and create something entirely new that um, can often be very emotive and cathartic and and never happen again exactly and that's something that i think is 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 very exciting too is that you know we're collecting uh singular experiences when we go see this band yeah and i don't think a lot of people get that right that you know uh chalk dust torture from two weeks ago isn't chalk dust torture tonight right and that is why we do what we do is because the band provides us a different seasoning a different, you know, flavor, a different spice in each dish every night, even though they may have served it two weeks ago. Right. And it's very interesting that, you know, people go, wow, they did 13 nights and never repeated a song. Um, yeah. But also when they do, quote unquote, repeat a song, they're not really repeating a song ever. They're <laughs> yeah, kind of, every, exactly. You know, it's different all the time. And, you know, I am one to... Uh, I like obscure, you know, like fish fans kind of love the type two jams where the band will go off into a whole other stratosphere. But we also like collecting little, uh, you know, 
trinkets that you know these songs that maybe they don't ever play or maybe trey sings through a megaphone or um you know that's something also that i mean there are certain shows uh hartford uh was it oh nine or ten you know which was a real nutty show there was like an iculus a sanity of four bins a psycho killer like just a and those are the ones like the weirder they get the more fun they're having on stage and the more they're laughing with each other that's when i feel like we're all kind of like uh they're feeling it tonight like this is gonna get you know um so it's it's if i don't you know not if you don't like fish great more tickets for us i guess but (laughs) for this 101 thing is it's not just jams right it's not just like we love the jams and it's hard to talk about the jams you have to kind of experience it um and there's a moment in every song that enters into that type two space where we know that moment that it hits that alternate chord sure or trey holds that note and lets mike or one of the other guys kind of take it and run yeah. with it, and then it's like, okay, this is going to get radical. <laughs> um, but for people who are maybe a little bit nervous about, you know, I don't want to just go listen to a band noodle for, you know, whatever. Um, it's it's not it's not just that. No, I mean, there's, um, well, I'll put it to you like this: I they're the the world's greatest cover band. Also, I mean, let's talk about that. You know, yes, there's these great rock songs these great ballads that they've written as well that you know will 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 may or may not include any improvisational jamming um that are really great songs just nice rock tunes you know but then on any given night of the week they may cover uh you know the beatles or led zeppelin or the talking heads or you velvet know, underground velvet underground tv on the radio you name it yeah i mean yeah. The, and and to a to a degree where songs like golden age or songs like cities um now fishes they've sort of absorbed them in a weird way where it's it's now even less of a cover they've, yeah. they've sort of covered it to this point where it's become a different song yep and now it's like almost a fish song they've let it sink sink into their dna exactly to the point where it's like and and i think that when and there are moments in fish's you know uh covering history that i think kind of help them pivot and grow in a different direction you know like after covering the talking heads uh they got incredibly comfortable with funk and like you know that that kind of brought in like a whole other like avenue of jamming. Yeah. I think after covering the Stones, after after playing Exile on Main Street, start to finish, and you know absorbing that. If you listen to a lot of the songwriting after that, it kind of had that very like you know rock ballady soulful. Totally, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like you, you hear shine a light in a lot of you know in more mm-hmm. and. Uh, Everything's right. You know, there's a lot of songs that have that kind of. Yeah. And it's great. And I think that and even with this Halloween album, I heard some TV on the radio yeah. in there. Sure. So it's almost like, you know, there's an egolessness with these guys. I feel that is very like we're influenced by the music that we're, yeah. you know, you know, giving you. And I think one of the neat things about being a, a fan of fish is how much we learn about other music. Oh, for sure. And I think that that is. You know that process that you just described is is inherent and and telling in regards to like all great artists, right? To be able to study, learn, absorb the 
the the great art around you and then to mix it up with your own DNA and put it back out there in a different fashion, I think, you know, is incredible. Yeah. And again, another, what I like, to, I joke often with people is I'm like, what band, right? Like what band does that? Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. what band does something like the Halloween hoax? Like what band does these mega festivals what band plays 13 nights and doesn't repeat a song what band you know like, what, what band like feeds the crowd donuts yeah and then bases their set off the flavor <laughs> yeah. what band when you explain that like, to people it's like oh yeah what yeah yeah they're, they're like what do you mean they gave away donuts and i'm like yeah dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you dude. get one let me know Was when you want to go to a show it? it's like yeah. shut up I know, right? yeah let me know when you want to go to a show right yeah. have you ever had anybody that wanted to go that you were like i don't want to bring you you're not the dude i want to like or, or the chick that i, I want i do you know what man, i mean by that i know and i want to talk about this one instance but i think i'm gonna not um you know Here's the thing. In recent years, I feel like fish fans have become, and I'm generalizing big time. No, bring it. I do that too. But like, it's become a very elitist experience for a lot of, in my my feeling, where there is this sort of vibe of, um, I'm a bigger fan than you, so I need more space to dance. Okay. I'm... You know, a bigger fan than you, so um, like, don't don't look at me if I'm singing too loud or or whatever it might be. I feel like, and maybe it was something to do with like seats. Like now, tickets are so expensive, yeah. and you know what I mean. I remember going to shows back in the day where I never sit in our seats. No, you, and it was never when, a big deal. It was almost kind of like uh, it it was almost kind of like musical chairs where like yeah. when the lights went down, you stopped. Yeah. <laughs> and you just set up where you were. Yeah. And exactly. if it was it's like, all right, well, we're gonna take these couple yeah, I, I hear you. And you just kind of like you you, you mold it into that yeah. section. Yeah. And then when the when the lights went up, all right, well we're gonna go over there now totally. and for the second set. But I, I, I hear what you're saying. And and I, I just feel like it's there's a level of intensity now that is is wasn't there before. And um I find that it is kind of yucking my yum in some some nights. Um, in what in what ways? Like, is it that you do you go with the same like core group of buddies or with your wife or by yourself? I've done yeah, all of the above. I I went to I brought my dad down to Hampton and we partied with him. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, he's been to a few fish shows now. Uh, we sort of started a tradition with the Fairly Well shows in Chicago. He's in Seattle. I'm in New York. And so every year since Fairly Well, we've met in the Midwest and nice. done Fish in Chicago, Dead in Chicago. Uh, we did Dead in Boulder over the summer. That's fantastic that you could share that with your old man. It's awesome. That's great. I absolutely like love it. And um, you know, uh, and and I have a my buddy Mosey now too, who uh, I've known for a long time. He's a huge Bruce Springsteen fan, obsessive Bruce Springsteen fan, um, and. I've always been like, well, when you're ready, let me know. I'll take you to a fish show. Like, you know, Bruce is great. I love Bruce Springsteen. And, you know, if anybody can understand, like, 
a four-hour fish show is somebody who's going to a four-hour Springsteen show. Right. And I was like, so when you were so we went to like the first weekend of the Baker's Dozen together, and he had never been to a fish show, and now he's totally on the bus, totally hooked. Nice. Went down to Hampton too, and uh, was about to go to Chicago after that, and uh, you know, to see it through him has been really exciting for me, uh, and my dad too. You know, like not just the time that the band is playing, but uh, you know, connecting with other fans at bars or restaurants before or after, you know, shakedown, um, getting a grilled cheese. Uh, I often make stickers for the shows. And so my dad's like haggling over stickers with people and shit. Uh, you know, and so there, there is this, this again, like layers and layers and layers to the experience that I'm now seeing my friend Mosey, like go deeper and deeper and deeper into it. And now he's texting me screenshots of like song jams, like this, this one, you know what I mean? And now he's totally got it. Like that's part one of my conversation with Andy Smith flip right over now, flip the tape and listen to side two. Uh, I'm having a great time chatting with Andy. Uh, Check out his books. 100 things fish fans should know and do before they die. And the last American gypsy. Thank you guys for listening head right over and listen to set two with Andy Smith here at Amigos.